Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. be back in the house of the Lord. I, I know you guys had a good service last week. I appreciate Jamie um, filling in for me. I, you know, we say around here the kind of the catchphrase is, I can't live without passion. And I'm going to tell you, I was going nuts because, see, we, we canceled due to the snow, and then last week I had the operation on my knee, so I couldn't be here. So I've been going crazy. Now, the only problem with that is, it, is if a preacher doesn't preach for a couple weeks in a row, that might mean y'all are going to be here a while. Uh, there's my notes right there. Look at all those. Good gracious. No, I'm playing. That's not. That's several weeks ago. So uh, y'all already getting nervous, weren't you? No, it won't be long today. But I do want to speak to you. Next week we start a series called Farmville. Um, I know you try to escape, but you can't. We're going to talk about it a little bit next week. I encourage you to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have some, some good time, but it's also going to teach us a lot of things. This morning I want to go back and pick up a message. I was going to preach this message on the Sunday that we had to cancel due to the ice because I honestly believe it's a word for us. Uh, we're not in the house series anymore, but if we were, I could tie this one in too. I could call it house cleaning, but I won't. Uh, we're going to call it something else, but it does tie in, by the way, so maybe we'll never get out of the house series. I don't know. But if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Zephaniah chapter 3. Now, we know this verse of Scripture, and we can quote this verse of Scripture. We just don't turn to this book very often. So if you have your Bible, I want you to go to this um, Old Testament book, if you don't, it's on the screen for you. It simply says this. It says, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. I, I want to read that again. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. This tells what God does when he shows up in the middle of things. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Let me, let me read that last phrase to you out of a different version. Maybe it will make a little more sense. It says it like this. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Well, I need to make a confession to you this morning in front of you and God and everybody. I despise the middleman. Uh, Y'all don't look at me like that. Y'all do too. Because don't we try to bypass the middleman? Like What we do is we'll go to factory outlet malls. We will drive six hours out of our way to get to a factory outlet store because we think if we can get past the middleman, it will decrease the cost of the item that we're looking for. And so we'll, go, we'll, we'll join clubs. We'll go pay $35 a year to join a club, to, to hopefully thinking that that will get us past the middleman. And we do it. You'll go search on How many of you bought something on the Internet this year? Already. Yeah, I thought so. You know why we do that, don't you? We want to bypass the middleman. We despise the middleman. I don't want to deal with the middleman. Just get me to the source and I'll get a better deal. Like, have you ever tried? I did this one time. It was a mistake. Just to warn you. Have you ever tried to buy a car on your lunch hour? Like this one time, I, we had this big van. It was as the uh, the gas was going through the roof, and we had this. It was a massive van, and it was eating us out of house and home. So I decided, as wise as I am, that I had a one hour lunch hour, and I would go down here to one of the car dealerships, and in a one hour time slot, I would be able to to 
deal with the guy and get a different vehicle. And so I pulled into the parking lot and all the alarms and sirens and, and radar detectors and all that. You know, that's what they do because when you they, they just flock, right? And so I pulled into the parking lot and I get out of my van and the middlemen come from everywhere. Like they're multiplying on site. I don't understand. And he gets me out of the, the van and, and, and I go in and, and, I, and I tell him up front, now listen, dude, I got one hour. One hour, and I got to be back at work. So let's deal with this and get it. Oh, sure, no problem. We can get it done in an hour. So we begin to walk around the lot, and he shows me all the vehicles that are in my price range, and we begin to negotiate. And I tell him, I got to get rid of this van. Oh, yeah, we can do that. This is the car I want. So finally, at about the close of about 45 minutes in, we go and we sit down in his office, and we begin to negotiate. I'll pay this. Yeah, we'll give you this much for your rent, and all this stuff. And, and about in an hour and 15 minutes, he finally says, I, we, It looks like we're close to a deal. He finally says, you're going to have to wait a minute. I got to go talk to my manager and see if my manager will allow me to do this. And you know what happened. After going and I don't know where he went. Maybe he went to Starbucks. Who knows? I don't know. But after going to some back room, like he went to see the wizard or something, he comes back into his office and sits down and he says, here's what we'll do. And guess what? He was 45 miles away from the figure that we had talked about, and it was so much more than we had talked about that there was no way on God's green earth that I could do what he was wanting me to do. I wanted to stand up after I beat the living daylights out of him and stabbed him in the neck and, and did all that kind of stuff that I wanted to do. I wanted to stand up and shout to him, why did you waste my time? Why didn't you, in the first 10 minutes of my arrival on this lot, why didn't at that moment you introduce me to somebody that had the authority and the ability to make the right decision and tell me you could have saved me all this time. You ain't nothing but a middleman and I don't like you. That's what I wanted to say. I didn't say all that. I got up and walked out. Yeah, Julie's surprised. Yeah, right? That's a, we don't like the middleman. But I, I want to suggest to you that perhaps that's a problem. Perhaps our disdain and our anger and our dislike for the middlemen that we run into on a daily basis, perhaps we bring that same feeling into the house every Sunday morning and that despising feeling that uh, causes a roadblock or a barrier becomes an obstacle in our lives when we begin to seek for a move of God and for freedom in our lives. What do I mean? Well, I want to drop a bunch of scripture on you this morning. I'm not going to ask you to turn there. It's not going to be on the screen, the, the whole passage. But what I want to do is I want to take a journey early on in the Old Testament and bring you up to the New Testament quickly and show you, if you will, the resume of a middleman. Because we can... We need to change our attitude and adjust our thoughts and our feelings about the middleman when it relates to a specific middleman in our lives because I think we bring that same disdain into the house on a regular basis. We start in Exodus, Exodus chapter 25. 
Verse 17 through 22 says this, Make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide, and make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and a second cherub on the other. Make the cherubim of one piece with the cover at the two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other looking towards the cover. Place the cover on top of the ark and put in the ark the testimony which I give you. There, where? There, above the cover, where? Between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony. I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. God declares in Exodus that if you will construct this Ark of the Covenant, you are to build an angel on each end, and I will show up. He could have shown up at the labor. He could have shown up at the place they make sacrifice. He could have shown up at the table of showbread. He could have shown up where they burn the incense, but he says, no, no, no. I'm going to meet you right in the middle, right in the midst, right between the two angels. Then in Numbers chapter 2, he comes back and he says, Then the tent of meeting, which is their tabernacle, then the tent of meeting and the camp of the Levites will set out in the middle of the camps. They will set out in the same order as they encamp, each in his own place under his standard. The tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the symbolic place of dwelling for God, the place where the Shekinah glory falls, the place where I go to meet God, the place where God speaks to me, the place where I encounter a living, breathing God. Where do you place it? In the middle of the camps. Right in the middle of everything else so that your life revolves around that place. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 24, uh, it begins like this. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the former of the fourth is like the son of God. Nebuchadnezzar didn't like rebellious teenagers. He did more than ground them. He threw them into a furnace. There's some parenting skills for you. He, he took three rebellious teenagers and bound them hand and foot and threw them right where into the middle of the fire. And the Bible says that somehow, some way, when he takes a peek back in, there's not three men in the middle of the fire. There is a fourth man walking in the midst of the hottest furnace, walking in the burning, blistering heat of that fire right in the middle. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2 says this, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Where does God do the work of revival in our lives? Where does God do the work of restoration in our life? Where does God do the work of renewal in our life? Right in the middle, right in the midst, right smack dab in the middle of the years. We think our years have been lost and wasted. We think our dream is dead. We think our vision is dead. But God says right in the middle, right when you least expect it right when you're not looking for it, right in the middle of all that, I'll walk into your life and bring restoration. 
Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 15 says this, Jehovah hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy, the king of Israel. Even Jehovah is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not fear evil any more. When God walks into the middle of your life, fear walks out. When God shows up in the middle of your life, right in the middle of fear, Zephaniah comes along and says, when God walks into the middle of your circumstance and right into the middle of your issues and your, your dilemma, at that moment, fear walks out. Mark chapter 6, y'all are real quiet this morning. Mark chapter 6, verse 47 through 51 says, And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and he saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And he went up into them, unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered the boat is being tossed. Where? In the middle of the sea. Why didn't it happen on the edge? God waited until it got right into the middle where there's no turning back. You're too far out. You can't go back. All the turmoil, all the waves, all the despair, they're going to drown. They're going to die. There's no hope. And in the middle of that circumstance, he walks onto the scene. Luke chapter 23, verse 33. It says, when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Get this picture in your mind, if you will. Jesus is now crucified where? In the middle of two thieves. Where did Jesus hang to deal with our sin? Right in the middle of two thieves. Hung some halfway between heaven and halfway between earth. He hangs there to deal with our sin. Jesus is the middle man. I just came to tell you that you cannot and you should not try to avoid this middleman. In spite of the frustration and the angst that the middleman that, that he caused you at the car dealership or at the counter or in the drive through I don't know what a middleman has done to you before as bad as you despise him and don't want to deal with him. I'm telling you that there is a middleman, the middleman, that you cannot afford to bypass. See, my concern is this morning is that we try to bypass this middleman too. Because when we, get, when we begin to have problems and we begin to despair and we begin to have issues, we turn to everybody but the middleman. We, we call sister so-and-so and we, and, and we turn to bottle and we turn to an addiction or we turn to drugs or most of us just turn to distractions and we lose our way and we forget to check in with the middleman and the middleman walks right into the middle of our hopelessness and our despair, in our pain, in our trouble, our storms, our fear, our fire. He walks in. But not only does he walk in, he walks in with power. He walks in to show up strong and mighty on our behalf. He shows up ready to do miracles for us. Do you hear me this morning? He doesn't just want to cause you to have goosebumps. God wants to work on your behalf and cause miracles to become evident and part of your daily life. See, he's not some 
removed, unconcerned, cosmic creator who's unaware and unfeeling towards his creation. He is the God that wants to get involved right in the middle of our junk. And so my question for you this morning is, what are you in the middle of? When you examine your life, when you think about where you are in your life right now, what are you in the middle of? Because what I've learned over the years, I've learned a few things about the middleman. The middleman will walk right into the middle of a bad report from a doctor. You know what he does when he shows up in those situations? He, he walks in and he goes, oh, you don't understand. You shall live and not die because I'm Jehovah Rapha, your healer. He walks right into the middle of our lack when we don't know how we're going to make it and we're not sure that the ends are going to meet. And he walks in and he says, no, I've got good plans for you. I've got plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I'll show up and walk in as Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He walks right into the middle of our sleepless nights and he allows us to experience him as Jehovah Shalom, our peace. And when we couldn't sleep now, we can lay our head down and sleep because he's the middleman. He walks into the middle of our brokenness and the Bible declares that when he finds broken people, he makes them every whit whole. What does that mean? That means that God is the greatest jigsaw puzzle worker in the world because he can take all the messed up pieces and all the shattered dreams and somehow place them all back together again and make it all work. He's the middle man. He walks right into the middle of an attack. The Bible says that the middleman shows up in the middle of attack like this. He says he shows up as our shield. This is a picture. It's a military term. These are the big long shields that they walked with. Some of them six foot tall. They would walk in them, walk behind them next to one another so that they could deal with the archers. And the archers would launch their, their weapons of range. It was a long reaching weapon and they would fire clouds of arrows and they would take those shields and they would lock them together and bow down under them. And as the arrows would come in, they would meet a wall of shields. That's what God does for us from a long-range attack. The enemy is firing arrows at you on a daily basis, trying to take you out. And God steps in between you and the arrows from a long distance, and he holds up the shield, and he deflects every blow. But then, have you ever felt like you've been in hand-to-hand -hand combat with the enemy? If there, has there ever been a Monday when you woke up and felt like the devil was right in the room with you? Maybe you walked into your office, your cubicle, or maybe you ran into your boss and felt like the devil was right there. The Bible says that not only is he our shield, he is also our buckler. Do you understand what that means? The buckler is the little round shield that they would attach to their waist and when they would get into hand-to-hand -in -hand combat they would drop the big long shields because you can't move very well with those and they would grab their buckler. God's telling us that right in the middle of a face-to-face hand-to-hand weapon to weapon battle that he is there that ought to give somebody some hope this morning it's one thing to have the devil shooting arrows at you from three months away but what if he's in the same room with you the middle man steps in he shows up in the middle of our pain the Bible describes him as the bomb of Gilead. I've taught you this before. He's the one that not only takes the poison out of every womb, the Bible declares that he's the bomb of Gilead. He causes that wound to heal with no scar. He's the middle man. He walks into the middle of our fire. 
Can I tell you this morning, I don't know how hot your life feels right now. I don't know what, how many flames are nipping at your heels. All I know is that this middleman has been in the fire before. I have learned that Jesus is flame retardant. He's better than any asbestos suit you ever tried. He's, he's more on time and has more ability than any fireman you can call on 911. Jesus has the ability to get you out of the, the hot, fiery place. He's the middleman. He deals with walking into the middle of our flood. Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Have you ever felt, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I can bear up under this anymore. Flooded by all these emotions. Flooded by all the distress. Can I tell you that he's already proven that he can handle the flood. He's already proven that he can walk on every wild wave. He doesn't even need a surfboard. He doesn't need any wax to wax up his board. He has the ability to step out on the wildest wave and speak one word and calm overtakes. That's the middle man, y'all. The middle man walks right in the midst of our betrayal. Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever thought somebody had your back and when you turn around, they weren't protecting your back, they were doing something else back there? Have you ever tasted the, the bitter taste of betrayal? Can I tell you this morning that the, the middle man has already felt the cold kiss followed by a stab of a cold blade. He knows what it's like to have a closest friend, a closest follower, somebody that he loved to walk behind him and stab him in the back. He understands what that feels like. Why? Why did he allow it to happen so he would know what it feels like when you go through it? He's the middle man, and he walks into the middle of broken relationships. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus makes Ann Landers look like a novice? Can I tell you this morning that if you're having relationship problems, you should get into counseling and get some help. But can I tell you this morning that the middle man makes every human counselor look like an amateur? That Jesus is so powerful and has such ability that if you really seek after him right in the midst of a broken relationship, right in the midst of devastation, he can walk in and he can make a hopeless situation turn around and a man will fall in love again with his wife and a wife will fall in love again with her husband and a friend will fall in love again with a friend. God can deal in the middle of our brokenness in our relationships. Jesus is the middle man when it comes to our sin. He hung right in the middle to forgive us. I don't know what sin's going on in your life. I don't know what you've done that, thinks you think that you think separates you from God. All I know is this. Jesus is the middle man. The blood that he shed on Calvary is sufficient. The blood that he shed on that old rugged cross still has power. That blood that streamed down his side that's blood that was spilled out on the ground has implications for you and me and the implication is is that it deals with my sin maybe I can't articulate the pain that you've gone through maybe with all of the words as eloquent as I can try to be with all the adjectives and descriptive terms that I can use, I can try to sum up the pain and the agony and the distress and the chaos of your life, but I come up short. 
And so when you bring it all down to, to the nitty-gritty where the rubber meets the road and we begin to try to describe what you've been through, the only word that fits that scenario is one word, hell. I've been through hell. There's fire there. There's brokenness there. There's confusion there. There's chaos there. There's betrayal there. There's fire there. There's the distress there. There's disappointment there. Good news. David said it like this, I can go and make my bed right in the midst of hell. And guess who walks in? The middleman. Because God can deal with all the hell of our life and bring a breakthrough that changes everything. That's the middleman. We need to rethink our attitude towards the middleman and understand that we should not try to, try to avoid this middleman because this middleman has the answer and the solution and the resolution for us in our lives. We cannot avoid him. But there are responsibilities for us. Those are the abilities that he has. But we have some responsibilities to unleash his abilities. Quickly this morning, I, I want to point out just a couple of things that I believe unlocks the, the door and unlocks the, the access that the middleman has into our lives. And, and I want you to listen carefully. There's a couple key components that we have to get right in our life so that he can reach out and do what he is capable of doing. How many of you would agree this morning that can, Jesus can do everything I just said? Right? He can do everything I just said. So how do we unlock the door and let him do it? Can I help you this morning? Here's our responsibilities. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 14. Listen carefully. For the Lord your God walks in the midst, right in the middle of your camp. Replace the word camp with your life. The Lord your God walks in the middle of your life. To do what? To deliver you and give your enemies over to you. What are your enemies this morning? Divorce? What are your enemies this morning? Brokenness? What is your enemy this morning? Fear? What is your enemy this morning? Lack? What is your enemy this morning? Confusion? What is your enemy this morning? It says he wants to walk right into the middle of your life and give your enemies over to you. But here is our responsibility. Therefore, your life shall be holy, that he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. In other words, we got to clean up our house. Our unholiness, our unrighteousness restricts the access that God has into our life. Let me say it like this. Holiness precedes help. That's good. I'll amen myself. Amen. Because we want to live any old way we want to live and then ask God to help. And I'm telling you this morning that holiness precedes help and repentance precedes resource. we got to clean up our act so that the middleman can walk freely into our life and see no unclean thing among us and his response to uncleanliness is he turns away. I, I didn't say that. That's what Deuteronomy said. He said if you don't clean up your camp and God walks in and sees the uncleanliness of your life, he will turn and walk the other way. Oh, Y'all are quiet this morning, but you know I'm preaching the truth. The reason that God doesn't help some of us in the midst of our situation is because our lives are so nasty and so unclean and so unrighteous that it repels him. Do you understand that God is repelled by sin? 
get any amens there. That's all right. Our lack of repentance restricts the access of the middleman. Psalm chapter 22, verse 3, changing streams just a little bit because we should first repent. But Psalm chapter 22, verse 3 says this, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. In other words, we've talked about this. Our praise builds a house that God walks into the middle of and sets up his, his place of dwelling there. He lives there. He inhabits that. Therefore, what I would say to you is this. Praise precedes presence. See, what we want to do is we want to come to church and get the worship team to crank us up real good. And about the fourth song, we're finally into praise. And then we expect God to show up. No, 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 no. You need to start praising before you get here. So that when you get here, there is a dwelling place already established and his presence is in the house. You got to praise him before you get out of bed. You got to praise him while you're doing your makeup. You got to praise him while you're drying your hair. Why? You're building a place of a dwelling for him so that when you walk in those doors, he walks into a mansion. See, my favorite part of movies, when you're in a movie and bring it home, my favorite part is not the movie. My favorite part is the previews. I like to watch the little clips that show you what's coming. See, that's what I'm telling you. What we want to do is we want to say stuff like this to God. God, if you will bless me financially, then I will praise you. If you will heal me physically, then I will praise you. If you will heal my marriage, then I will praise you. What I am saying to you is that our praise establishes a dwelling place, and when his glory is in the house, everything changes. Therefore, we should begin to give God a preview. Our attitude ought to become this. I will praise you before you bless me, and I will show you what it's going to be like after you bless me before you ever do. Before you ever bless my bank account, I'm going to praise you. Before you ever hear my, heal my body, I will praise you as if I was healed. Before you ever hear my marriage, I will praise you. And therefore, you will get a glimpse of what I was going to do after you heal my marriage. Praise precedes presence. See, our praise to God is like a flame to a moth. He can't ignore it. Oh, I know you can't sing. Some of you can't sing any better than I can. That's all right. If we would just open up our mouth and praise him, God is not attracted to the quality of our singing. He is attracted to the sound. Make a joyful noise. That's me. They wrote that for me, but they wrote it for you too. Out of the noise of your praise, God is attracted to that sound. And he sets up residence there. I'm convinced that the reason that God doesn't show up in the middle of our issue, I've already declared to you, I've given you example after example from the Old Testament to the New Testament, that God is the middleman. He specializes. He has this uncanny habit, this uncanny ability to show up right in the middle of the stuff. So why isn't he showing up in the middle of your stuff? Why? Could it be that we have failed to repent and we have refused to praise? That's the key, y'all. It's not complicated. This is not rocket science. You don't have to be some uh, brilliant ge genius with an IQ of 9,462. This is kids' play. It's this simple. You want Jesus to show up in your mess? Two steps. Repent. 
and praise. That easy. So my question is, if, if Jesus is constantly showing up in the middle of our stuff, and we repent, and we begin to praise him, and we open up the doors so that he can have access, how do we recognize it when he's there? Because what I've discovered that is, is this, that in the middle of turmoil, in the middle of pain, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of struggle, in the middle of hurt, there's this tendency that we can't find God because we're so overcome by the rest of it. Can I clue you in this morning? How do we find him in the middle of our stuff? Very simple. You watch. I'm going to take you back to Zephaniah chapter 3 and then I'm done. Did you see what it says? Here it is. Here's the key. You watch for his quiet. We're taught that the calm comes before the storm. I'm telling you that what God does is he will send a calm in the storm. Every storm I've ever gone through in my life, right in the middle of the most painful moments of my life, there was always this moment, if I was really tuned in and watching and listening and taking notice of what God was doing, there was this moment where a calm would come. My problem is I'd press through it most of the time to the backside, which was panic. I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you, how to find God in the midst of your chaos is to look for that calm place and get there and stay there. The second thing he says is, not only will I bring quiet, I love this part. He says, I will rejoice over you in singing. Have you ever heard God sing over you? Do you understand this morning that God is a singer? That God has an unbelievable ability. Do you know what God does right in the midst of your storm? He gets his pen and his pad and he sits down at the keyboard or the harp or the guitar or the Hammond B3 or the drums. I don't know what he plays. I just know he must be a musician because at that moment in the middle of your chaos, the Bible declares that God begins to sing over. You know what he's doing? He's writing a custom song for you. You don't think anybody knows about your pain? God's singing about it right now. You don't think anybody understands the distress of your life? God is singing. He is actually sitting down writing a song about your pain right now. The good news is that when God sings, your pain stops because His song overpowers the pain. Uh, Julie and I were riding in the car. I'm going to show you how old I am right now. We were riding in the car the other day, and I would bought this CD by this guy that I know y'all don't know who he is. Most of you are too young to understand who this is. When I was growing up, I was in love with this band. It was called the Sweet Comfort Band. They rocked. Okay, it was 80s rock, but they rocked. All right? They were awesome. I, I, let me name a couple members for you and see if you don't recognize some names. Bob Carlisle. He went on to... I'm giving y'all history right now. He went on to form a group called the Allies. You don't know who that is either, but you do know one song. He sings Butterfly Kisses. That's Bob Carlisle. The, the front man, he wasn't even the front man. He was a backup singer, and the lead singer, his name was Brian Duncan. Oh, man, he could sing. I, I told Julie the other day in the car, if I could pick one or two voices, his would be one of them. Then, then here's, I'm the ancient of days. Here we go. One of my favorite singers of all time. First time I ever heard him, he was just getting started. We were, oh, Lord, I'm sorry I'm this old. He, we were listening to it on an eight track. He, he was the lead singer for a group called the Imperials. His name was Russ Taft. 
Oh, that voice. The, the reality is for us, Taff, is that if he was a member of one of these choirs like we are the World Choir, you could always pick his voice out. He, his voice was so distinctive that you could pick it out. What does that have to do with anything? It has this to do with what I'm saying. The Bible declares that his sheep are supposed to know the voice of the shepherd. I came to tell somebody this morning that God has a distinctive voice. You can pick him out of the crowd if you will tune back into the right frequency. What's he doing right now? He is singing over you. I need you to hear the song of God in your situation today because for some of you, he's singing hope over you. And for some of you, he's singing healing over you. And for some of you, he's singing a song of peace. It's like a lullaby that he's singing over you to bring calm into your life. He singing destiny over you. God's song is being sung over you. When's the last time that you heard God pull out a guitar and begin to strum away the pain of your heart? That's what the middleman does if we will repent and we will praise. Some of you say this morning, Steve, I, I, I need the middleman in my life. I'm going through something right now. I'm right smack dab in the middle of something tough. I'm right smack dab in the middle of something painful. I'm right in the midst of something stressful. And I need the middleman to show up. Some of you are saying, I have some things in my life that I need to clean up first. I am telling you, get them right. It's a simple process. Repent and praise. And when we do that, the middleman, the guy that walks into the middle of fire and won't let you get burned, the guy that walks on waves, the guy that heals sickness, the guy that heals broken hearts, the middleman will walk into your life. And listen to this. He will begin to sing harmony. Over you. I want you to stand with me this morning. What are you in the middle of today? What has discouraged you? What has broken you? I want my leaders to come, Tari. Um, is it Chris, Keisha? Somewhere in the early service and have already left. Danny, can you come off that soundboard for a second? No? Okay. In a moment, Danny will be up here. <clears throat> what I want us to do, listen, I, I told the early services, one my dad told me that he read a, a study not too long ago. Do you know what the number one shoplifted item is at Walmart Pharmacy? Any idea? Preparation H. You know why? Because we're embarrassed to let anybody know that we're in pain. Think about that a moment. I don't want anybody to know. I, I'm not going. I'm going to self check out if I got preparation H. Right. The dilemma is, is that is how we do church. We don't want anybody to know we're in pain. We've learned to smile our way through it, and act our way through it, and facade our way through it, and charade our way through it. And we walk into this place in dire need of a touch.
but we're too proud, we're too fake to let anybody know that we're in pain. Hear me this morning. He cannot heal what you hide. At the moment that you hide it, you restrict access to the middleman, and he can't get in there in the middle of it. I want to encourage you this morning, if you're in pain, there's help, there's hope, there's healing. I've asked my leaders to join me up here. We want to do this kind of a little bit different th- different this morning. The Bible says that there's power in agreement, that we touch and agree. What we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. There's this connection that takes place. If you're in pain this morning, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, then I'm going to encourage you this morning to take a step. Take a step of faith. I want to encourage you to step out from where you are and come. And these folks are going to lay hands on you and they're going to pray with you. And what we're going to believe is this, that the middleman is going to walk right in the midst of your stuff. And as you begin to worship and as you begin to praise, that healing is going to overtake your disease. In Jesus' name, would you bow your It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 